You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And today on the Stick Hungry Podcast, we have a very special guest for you all. He's a data science professional and hockey analytics extraordinaire whose work has been featured in The Athletic, TSN, and TVA Sports. Joining us all the way from the great city of Calgary, Alberta, we bring to you the creator of hockey prospecting, Byron Bader. Byron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. That's awesome. So, you know... We got an exciting week that we just kind of came upon. We had the Seattle Kraken uh, do what some people have, you know, criticized as mediocre in their expansion draft. But, you know, not to be overlooked, we have the highly, I don't, I don't want to say publicized, but very controversial entry draft where no one knows who's good and no one knows who's bad. Um, but before we even get into any of the draft talk, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Byron? How did you get into the sport of hockey, and what made you pursue the analytics side of the game? Wow, how did I get into hockey? Well, I'm from I'm from Canada. I'm from Calgary, so I mean, it's kind of you know you're born into it basically. Kind of grew up a hockey fan um, basically my whole life, and then in terms of the the analytics side, I mean that's kind of what I i've always done professionally and that's what i've always been into i've always been a little stats junkie even when i was a little toddler i'd run around with the you know the four or five numbers that i did know and just and just um relay those to anybody that would listen to me and and yeah i always took a natural you know liking to the stat side of sports so it was kind of all all the natural fit for me um you know about probably six or seven years ago now, I kind of started writing about some stuff, mostly concerning the Flames. And then I started writing for Flames Nation, which is like an analytics-centric Flames blog. So I wrote there for a couple of years, um, talking about some of this stuff. And then I kind of stumbled across, you know, um, the work that I do with, with hockey prospecting while I was there. And then I've just kind of carried on with that um, ever since. So yeah, it's, it's, it's basically been there the whole time. And that's where my interests lie and that's where, you know, my, my professional experience is. So it was just a natural fit for me. That's great to hear. You know, a lot of uh, advanced analytics are starting to make their way into the NHL world more pronounced, essentially of uh, hockey cards from, uh, you know, Jay Fresh and top down hockey, uh, Patrick Bacon, who's also a San Jose Sharks fan. Um, you have your own type of prospecting cards that run a different style of format as far as, you know, NHL equivalency and draft your models specifically for prospects. Can you give us as well as the listeners just a quick rundown of how your prospecting cards work and, you know, what the values represented on them mean to just the average fan that might want to subscribe? Yeah, so basically what the model does is is it essentially takes – production across leagues and you know i kind of watch the player for five years and i look at how they sort of move through these different equivalencies because each league is sort of you know different from another the ohl is different from the whl which is different from college which is you know different from the euro leagues so each one has kind of this score that relates to you know how much a point is worth in the nhl so that's kind of the the basis jumping off point and basically i use that and 
um, kind of standardize it. And it basically creates this level playing field where you can, you know, look at all the prospects sort of on the, on the same level. So you can look at them all equally. You know, you got, you know, this guy in the OHL scoring 60 points in 40 games. Like, is that good? And then this guy in the KHL has, you know, 20 points in 30 games. Is, is that good? What, what does that all mean? So it basically takes all the guesswork out of it for you and, and gives you, you know, essentially some probabilities and some numbers of that player's chances of making the NHL and then turning into a star in the NHL. And so a star for, for my purposes is basically like a massive point producer. So essentially a forward who over his career registers um, 0.7 points or greater per game. And then for a defenseman, it's, you know, roughly like a, a 40 point or more defenseman per season. And so you're looking for those kind of rare offensive superstars basically so that's the the main purpose of the model is is you know taking out all these biases like age and nationality and size and all these things and basically letting you see all the players on the same level view and the and the model goes back 30 years that's what it's you know that's what the the regression models and the and the predictive models are sort of built off of so you can you know you can look back over 30 years of history and and you start to pick up on patterns and and you know a superstar looks a certain way, you know, um, he, he has these really high equivalencies really early, early on in his development. Whereas, you know, a guy who makes the NHL, but maybe is only kind of an average scorer looks another way. And then a bust is going to look another way. Right. So that's basically what it's, what it's showing you, um, in these, in these cards you kind of speak of. So you have the, you know, it has the equivalencies. So you can go through that. That's more for the the extreme data junkies. And then the big one is the, is the probability. So you have the star probability and then the NHL or probabilities essentially on, on each card. Um, yeah. And then I've got, I've got tools for, for goalies as well, kind of using my own equivalency that I've come up with um, using save percentage and, you know, error adjusting it and that kind of thing and using that to build um, the build the goalie side. So, so that's basically what it's all about. And, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically all all that hockey prospecting is all about. That's awesome because you know, with when it comes to scouting and just NHL GMs and draft teams and all of the above, there are certain biases, like you said. Uh, a lot of these these scouts are going to have when they look, like you said, nationality and, and overaging. And it's it's great to be able to have a tool, especially uh, for fans like myself, that we can use that you provide us to be able to you know deduce who's actually going to be great. And it's backed by, like you said, 30 years worth of research and dedication and just uh, just a ton of R&D put into it to put out such a great product. Um, one, one of my favorite tweets I think I saw from you recently, there was a, I believe it was just after Kucherov came back in the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you, you said you're a Calgary Flames fan. There was actually someone who tweeted out like, man, I wish Calgary could have had this player. And, and you actually tweeted a, a player comparison tool which is one of your one of your tools on hockeyprospecting.com where the the flames actually had the ability much like every other team because he was i believe a second round pick um to select nikita kucherov and uh, i believe it was tyler uh, witherspoon or, or watherspoon who was actually selected right before nikita kucherov and you see the two players and you compare the two using your prospecting model and you're like why would they even think of selecting you know, Witherspoon, when Kucherov's sitting right there and just has such great NHL equivalency models, and it just goes to show just how, like, 
powerful this tool is. Um, and I, that was honestly probably the, the biggest example of your tool that I saw that's just glaring differences when you put everything in the same scope, you're able to actually see the differences between the players and where it actually matters. But yeah, yeah and absolutely like that. I like, I love that example as well. Cause I mean, when you look at Kucherov, he actually has the, the highest likelihood of turning into a star at the time of the draft in the entire 2011 draft. I mean, he's higher than Nugent Hopkins. He's higher than, you know, Landis Cog and Huberdo. Johnny Gaudreau, he's higher than all these guys, but he doesn't go until the second round because, you know, he's he's kind of a dainty small guy and he's playing in this, you know, kind of weird junior Russian league that's kind of all over the place. But, like, his production is just insane. And he's young and he has all these things, but, you know, a team doesn't want to take a chance on him until almost the 60th pick, I think. I think he was, like, 59th or something. So, yeah, that I mean, that's that's really the benefit of the tool is, is looking back on that and, and seeing how rare a guy like it, like Kucherov is, and you know, when you find all the comparables that sort of look like him, you know, there's maybe maybe ten of them, maybe fifteen of them, you know, and most of them make the NHL, and most of them turn into these superstar studs. So I mean, that's that's the big the big impact of the tool, and and um, yeah, it's it's really fun looking back at those drafts from five, 10 years ago and just seeing this stuff kind of bubble right to the top. And, and even, you know, sitting uh, with teams and kind of showing them this stuff and showing them, you know, how rarely it is a guy that kind of looks like Kucherov, how rarely a guy like that bus versus, you know, a pick like Tyler Watherspoon, where it's like, you know, 60 to 65% of these guys don't even make the NHL. And you're kind of going there first because, you know, that's, that's the safe pick when it's, it's not the safe pick at all. So it's, yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. So let's kind of switch a little bit towards, well, this episode is going to come out on the draft day. So we'll just say today, let's take a look at today's draft, the 2021 entry draft, looking at your models and the projections that you have here, there's probably something that I considered very intriguing when originally taking a look through the work. And this year's now, now granted, it has been a crazy year with COVID and OHL seasons being suspended and all the such. But the consensus first overall pick that I've probably heard more often than not was Owen Power. But according to HockeyProspecting.com's star probability percentage, the percentage is only at 7%. That's not the type of percentage you want to look in a first overall pick or even in a second third round pick you want someone that you believe can have the highest level or the highest ceiling there is especially at first overall so i'm not sure if you've been asked this already but us at the stick hungry podcast we saw this and we just need to know why is he so low as far as star probability percentage i've been asked that a lot that's basically the first question i've been asked <laughs> um yeah so when you look at at power like like you said he doesn't he doesn't profile like the typical first overall pick i mean if you look back over the past 30 years the first overall pick turns into one of these kind of stars that i'm looking for about 75 percent of the time and when you look back at them like you look at you know stamkos and Tavares and crosby and mcdavid and lafreniere and jack hughes and you look at all these guys like they're really really obvious like in the model they have like you know, a 50 to 80% chance of becoming a, becoming a star. And they have like an over an 80% chance of making the NHL at the time of the draft. 
But then you look at a guy like Power, and like you said, he's down at like 7%. Like this is this is the type of guy that might be in that 25% of the players that, that doesn't turn into a star. You know, he looks, he looks kind of similar to Eric Johnson. Um, you know, a guy and going back even further, he looks pretty similar to a guy like Ed, Ed Jovanovsky looks a little bit different, but you know, these are the types of players that are maybe just outside of that kind of stardom that I'm looking for. And so that's, you know, that's going to play into my rankings and how I rank him. So, um, yeah, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't profile to me like, you know, the typical high end, you know, massive point producing first overall pick. I mean, he's, he's going to be a really good player. He's, he's huge. He's mobile. He's, he's going to play, you know, he's going to have a long career in the NHL, but is he going to have one of these elite, you know, producing careers like Kale McCarr or Victor Hedman, that type of thing. That's where I'm like, I don't think so. I think he's going to be more of a kind of maybe a 30 to 40 point D man that just, you know, he eats up 20, 25 minutes a night. He's kind of like uh Jay Bomeister rather than, you know, one of these typical first overall picks that you talk about for decades and decades. And, you know, he's like near a point per game defenseman type thing. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that 7% can grow over time, but that's, that's where he kind of sits now and, and he's a bit of an older prospect as well. So um, yeah, that's, that's why he's kind of ranked like that. I, I just thought it was very interesting. I, I get fed all this information from all these different, uh, you know, rankings and whoever it may be. And then we come across something that I consider a very highly researched and developed prospecting model. And we see that it's like, whoa, big red flag coming in here. Is this worth first overall? You know, what does Buffalo do in this situation? Luckily, this isn't a Buffalo Sabres podcast, and that's not our problem. Um, but, you know, on the other side of that coin, you have Dylan Gunther sitting at a healthy 69% star probability percentage. And, you know, he's expected to fall in, you know, the end of the top 10. You know, the, the Sharks are actually around where his ADP or average draft position would normally be. Um, and from what I'm seeing in this model, that's an extremely high percentage, especially during this COVID, COVID ridden season and everything that's been going on across the entire world, essentially involving the improbabilities. But what is Dylan Gunther in your eyes bringing to the table that others like, let's say William Eklund, who I believe you have sitting a little bit lower, not too much as far as star probability percentage, but 39%, a uh, 30% difference there. Um, that, that maybe they aren't bringing to the table. Yeah. So the thing with, with Gunther is, you know, he's kind of got this, this perfect combination that brings him up to that kind of 69%. So, you know, he had the really good pre-draft year in essentially normal conditions before COVID really showed up last year. And then, you know, the back end of the season got cut off, but it's, you know, it's a point per game pace anyway. So, you know, there's no funniness there this year. Um, you know, it is a, it is a weird COVID year. He only actually got into 12 games, which is like a super, super low, uh, game sample. Normally you like to see these guys playing, you know, at least 40, 50 games type thing. So you have to make some adjustments with the, with the COVID year, but you know, his, he was basically a, a two point per game player in the WHL, which, which hasn't happened for years. So, you know, you combine that with his age and he's, he's pretty young. He's, he's, I think he's born in April. So he's kind of one of these springborn guys. Um, and you know, you factor in his pre-draft year and his draft year, that's, that's where that, that number kind of comes from. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that common of a, of a score to have going in your draft 
draft year, you know. Um, so, so yeah, he really bubbles to the top. And and the big thing about Gunther is, you know, if you factor in his year, he's kind of playing in this weird Alberta COVID division. So it's like, would he have fallen back from where he was? He probably would have, but his his production is so outrageous that he could have fallen back like anywhere from twenty to thirty percent. And you know, factoring in things like you know, his size and even his handedness. He's a right shot. I mean, uh, left shot outpaces a right shot kind of on a two to one ratio. So if you can find, you know, a superstar or a star right shot winger, I mean, these guys are actually pretty rare. So if you factor that in and even, you know, a fall off of 20 to 30%, this is still a guy that I would easily take in the, in the top five. Um, but, you know, where his score kind of sits right now, like I, I would probably want to take him in the, in the top three for sure. Gotcha. And it's crazy to see him fall. I see here he had the 24 points in the 12 games played in 2021 for the Oil Kings, um, who ha- they have an amazing goaltender sitting in front of them as well. And I think those the tiny little intangibles that you bring up, like a left-handed shot having a higher success rate than a right-handed shot, and just all these tiny little intangibles that keep popping up that you guys are able to just hyper-analyze and turn into essentially like, NHL equivalency, like you said before, it's just crazy for someone with a pea brain like myself to kind of wrap my my mind around and see exactly how it how it functions. But you you know the proof is in the pudding. You can't argue with results, and the results just show themselves continuously over time. Mm-hmm. Switching our focus over to the Sharks because you know this is a Sharks Bakes podcast. We could talk about prospecting all day, but the the people want to listen to you, and they want to know. You know, the Sharks, we're sitting at seventh overall. There's a number of options or scenarios that they're staring down. There's uh, goaltending that's available. There's crazy Swedish wingers that are doing insane things. There's trade back options to gain more picks because, you know, we don't have a second round pick this season or this draft year. But if, if we were to just sit down, boil it down to brass tacks and just make a pick here. So based on your current projections, they could have the opportunity to select maybe a Cole Sillinger for center or a William Eklund out of the SHL, who's getting a lot of attention now, especially with the new Bob McKenzie rankings. You know, if, if, if you're in the Sharks war room on draft night, Doug Wilson hands you the paper. He's like, look, dude, I don't know what's going on here. I want you to make the pick. Who would you be pushing the Sharks to take based on your model and why? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like there's like there's a whole bunch of players in there that, you know, could be suitable. Like obviously we we already talked about Gunther. He might drop there. I mean, if he's sitting there at that point, like to me, that's got to be a no-brainer. Because um, yeah, he's 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 got the highest star probability in the entire draft, and it's be, it would be you know quite a bit higher than. You know, there's basically Brant Clark and then there's Gunther. So, I mean, if he's there, that's that's an easy easy bet. But if he's off the table and, you know, the choice is, you know, maybe... Let's assume here the big, the big four defensemen are gone and then Gunther's gone. And for all sakes and, like, sanity for myself, let's say Mason McTavish and Walstead are also gone. Okay. Yeah, so then then I would be looking at yeah, certainly Sillinger and and Eklund. I'll probably go with Eklund. I mean, he's got he's got that that men's league profile. You know, he's playing in basically the third hardest league in the world. He's doing very well in it. He's a little bit older, he's a little bit smaller, but like those are the only two knocks really against him. I mean, if you look at 
everybody who's come from essentially the SHL over the past 30 years that is kind of hitting an equivalency in the realm of Eklund or higher. I mean, you basically have Eklund, um, Elias Lindholm, Kevin Fiala, the Sedin brothers, Backstrom, Forsberg, and Naslin. So, I mean, that's the list. So, it's good company. Yeah, right there, that kind of, you know, puts me looking at Eklund there. And, you know, yeah, you come with the, you know, the men's league reputation, and he has that reputation that, you know, he's going to go in the top five. So I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Eklund if, if all those guys are gone myself. I I don't know why, but I, I feel like your your projections or, or based on just what I'm seeing with Eklund's hype kind of garnering him in the top five, I feel like he's going to go to a team like possibly Detroit, who we figured um, was in the goaltending conversation, and then they decide to do some knitting practice today with Carolina and fleece uh, Nedeljkovic from them. Um, so it, you know that took them out of the goaltending prospect kind of pull for me personally and shifting towards maybe another high-end Swedish winger. Lord knows they have their fair share of you know, hands in that honeypot essentially. But I really love based on your projections, the Dylan Gunther idea to be able to get that, that right-handed shot on the wing. That's just producing at an outlandish rate who, you know, given three years could come in and be a, a top six forward on a team like the sharks who have a very lackluster prospect pool in based on some models. Um, I, I would really love that pick. So long as you're correct. If you're not correct, I'm going to DM you. We're going to argue. It's going to be a bad problem. So, <laughs> well, but seventy like percent um, of the time, I'm correct. So it works a hundred percent of the time. Seventy percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. I can't be a hundred percent, but seventy percent, pretty good. I mean, at at the bare minimum, like he's got to be like a middle sixer, like at least. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think I think it's the safest pick for sure. I love it, honestly. Um, moving a little bit into some player comps you did one when the sharks re-signed jonathan dolly into a one-year one-way contract you comped him to connor garland and essentially they're similar they're similar projection curves based on the hockey prospecting model where would you project Darlene to stick in this sharks lineup and do you think he can produce around the same rate that garland has for the coyotes or do you expect him to be just a smidge lower uh, like I, th I think he'll be kind of right at that mark. I mean, there's not like they kind of have like a weird progression curve where they're sort of, you know, they start off well above average and then they they're building, 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 and then they have a fall off in their first year in the AHL. Um, and when you look at both of them, like that that moment essentially in their D three where they where they fall off quite a bit is like the only blemish on their resume for you know a five to seven year period after that like there's just massive production on on either side and yeah like a guy like Darlene like um he has that little bit of a fall off and then he goes off back to Sweden and he's playing in kind of the the second tier league I believe because that was in his hometown and he kind of wanted to play there and win a championship with his hometown team but like this guy should have been in the SHL that's the only kind of knock with him is is why isn't he there? But then you read and you're like, oh, it perfectly makes sense for why he's not there. But like his production in this league, which is not a slouch league, like it's pretty good. Like it's, you know, I would say it's on par or just below like a league like the the Liga League in Finland. And he was like, he was putting up like insane, insane numbers, like basically just playing beer league 
um, <laughs> sports there. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think his potential is, is certainly in that Garland realm. Um, you know, a guy who can, you know, maybe put up 50 to 60 points. I don't think he'll, he'll quite reach that, that star sort of um, point total, but I think he certainly has the potential that he could stick in the top six and, and be a really good producer, especially for a team like the Sharks who, like you've mentioned, are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're reloading and they're a little bit weak all over. So, I mean, if he can sort of cement himself in a spot in the top six, I think for sure he can, he can produce very similar to, to Garland. Yeah, we saw um, we saw Alexander Barabanov come in out on during you know, the trade deadline from Toronto and produce just incredible numbers with uh, Evander Kane and Tomas Hurdle. I'd be interested to see how a line of like a Couture Darlene Meyer or a Couture Darlene LeBanc line may look as far as production wise for Darlene because he had a pretty rough go of it, you know, over and I believe he was in the Vancouver prospecting system that has definitely had its fair share of uh, knocks essentially put on it. So for him to go back and kind of get a mental reset in the Allsvenskan and be able to fulfill his promise to, like you said, his hometown, take them to the championship, win the championship as league MVP, I think that's going to do wonders for his confidence moving over. And that's probably my, uh, uh, you know, my eyes set on him for training camp here in a little bit. But I'd love to see some production in the 50 to 60 point range because Lord knows the Sharks need it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's for sure, for sure possible with him. And yeah, he would be a big, a big piece to add there that kind of not really comes out of nowhere. But, you know, you weren't even sure if he was going to come back, you know, come back over the ocean at one point. But yeah, it's good mm-hmm. to see that they signed him. And I'm curious to see what he does now in, in the bigs with his chance. So, yeah. So we touched a little bit about the Sharks' prospect strength. And I, I told you that, you know, pretty much every, the general consensus is the Sharks' prospecting pool is not that great. It's more of a puddle, not so much of a pool. Um, you actually have a prospect strength tool on your website. Um, it's amazing, honestly. And you have them as the eighth best overall rank for prospect pools in the NHL. So and once I saw this, I was like, okay. You've caught my attention, Byron. Okay, okay, I'll pull up to the table here and take a look at this. So their, their top prospect and highest projected star, based on the model, is the highly controversial Ryan Merkley. He's had, uh, quote-unquote, attitude problems and bad defensive games. And, you know, maybe this isn't something that the projection model is necessarily taking into incredible amounts of weight i guess as far as like mentality of players it's hard to gauge that you can't quantify mentality but even with his mediocre year for the barracuda he's still projected at a 64 percent chance of being a star and an 87 percent chance of being a full-time nhler you know i love ryan merkley i've been known to be a ryan merkley truther i'm loving these numbers but to the listeners and and the folks who may doubt him what do you see with his game or development that most people may not be seeing. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it all kind of comes down to how early he's hitting these these equivalency numbers and 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 how high they are. So when you look at at Merkley, like he's he's super super young. He's born in August, I think. So that kind of plays in. But you know, his his pre draft year and then his draft year, like very few defensemen hit a level this high. Um, by their draft year, you know, and you look at the ones that, that do, you know, you're looking at guys like Ryan Ellis and 
you know, Victor Hedman and Scott Niedermeyer and Quinn Hughes, like that's kind of who he looks like. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he even has that younger um, piece to him. So, I mean, that's really where that projection comes from. It's, it's, it's not that common that a player looks like this. So, I mean, and you, you look at, you know, 80, 90% of the ones that do look anything like this turn into, turn into something quite big. So, so that's where that kind of comes from. Um, you know, you, there is all these, these issues with, yeah, the, the attitude stuff and, and the defensive game and all this type of stuff, but, you know, is he able to figure that out over time and, and turn into something? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And then that's what he sort of projects in the model. It might, it might be, you know, another year or two, but this certainly looks like a guy that, that should make the NHL and, you know, be, be a guy who produces on the power play and that type of thing. Yeah. You have your uh, closest comps. Cause I have his, his card pulled up right here. First two really catch my name, Michael Del Zotto and, uh, Victor Hedman. That's a big name that, you know, hopefully uh, those are big shoes to fill, but those comps are something based on the models, especially during his, his, his D zero year and beyond. If he can, like you said, take the time to figure his game out and to really solidify what he's going to do in the NHL, he could easily, you know, get, get to these levels of point production. Um, like you said, especially being a power play specialist and a quarterback of the Barracuda's power play so far, you know, he's, he's getting all the ice time that he needs and all the mentoring down there um, with the staff to become a great player. So, you know, we've mentioned a lot of skaters, a lot of forwards, a lot of defensemen, and but we talked about it. The Sharks are in a market for an overhaul in the goaltending room. They, they've already started. They acquired Aiden Hill from the Arizona Coyotes uh, for Yosef Kojanash and a second round pick. Of course, Iserman made that pick look like, or made that trade look like it was foolish with his trade. Um, but if we were to focus more on draft prospects, there are the big two essentially right now in the 2021 entry draft that essentially stand out amongst the rest. You have Jesper Wallstedt and Sebastian. Is, I think it's Kosa or is it Kosa? Probably Kosa, right? I think it's Kosa. We'll say Kosa. I'm so, terrible yes, with names. So. No worries. You should. We have producer T's terrible with names too. It's it's just a thing we learn going on. So Jesper Wallstedt and Sebastian Kosa or Kosa, do you think the Sharks, who've never selected a goaltender in the first two rounds, pick one of those two and finally break that trend? Or are they going to refrain and select one of the skaters we discussed earlier? Another good question. Um I'm not sure what they do. Like, if you look at at Aiden Hill, you know the, the goalie they just acquired. Like, he actually looks pretty good in my in my in my in my goalie model. Like, he has essentially a 77% chance of becoming essentially a hundred game or more NHLer, um, which is you know that's that's pretty high for a goalie. And then they also have another guy in the system that they signed as a free agent um, named Alexei Melnichuk, and he has an 87% chance of becoming an NHL goalie and he hasn't he's played like three games like these are like these guys are just sitting there and like there's not enough people talking about them and I don't know like if I'm missing something but like one of these guys at least feels like they're gonna hit and hit big so you know they actually have like a pretty decent goalie prospect pool with those two guys alone but I'm not sure if if they really realize what the potential is there or or, or how they see him so you know, um, are they going to go for a goalie? Maybe, but I mean, they still pretty, they, they, 
their prospect pool, it it has a lot of pieces that could be NHLers, but it lacks like those big um, those big star potential guys. Like kind of outside of Merkley, they don't have a lot of those guys. So yeah, it's difficult to say whether they'll go for one of the the big guns there. But um, I mean, if they do, I would certainly go for for Wallstead uh, first myself because you know European goalie coming from a men's league in his in his first eligible draft year like this doesn't happen very often this has happened you know maybe 10 to 15 times in the past 40 years and the ones that do it you know they tend to do very well you have like Kerry Lettinen uh, Askarov from last year you know going back guys like Dominic Hasek and and Ilya Brzgala so I mean if, if you're looking at a goalie I would be looking there because I think I think Wallstead's going to be very very good and I think he's going to be you know coming over to North America and coming over to the NHL and one to two years so he's he'll be ready pretty soon but yeah it's difficult to say because i think they have a couple pretty good goalie prospects already in the system so um yeah i'm not sure if they'll be if they'll be looking at a goalie or if, if they'll go with with one of those skaters my gut says they're going to go with the skater but you know who knows who knows yeah, what the world things. is having yeah, having having uh having mind so <laughs> crazier things have happened and uh you know, before it was just uh, Melanchuk and uh, Kozhenosh, but the addition of Hill has kind of made this uh, youthful exuberance kind of movement in the goaltending room. And this is all assuming Martin Jones will get bought out. Of course, we can't assume anything at this point. Nothing's being leaked. And, you know, the, the Sharks have always been known as a very tight-lipped organization involving those things. Um, but I, I think what's most interesting is... Uh, as much praise that the Coyotes gave Aiden Hill, you know, they had a lot of sources saying that they were going to shop Darcy Kemper, but keep Hill. But the Sharks came in and found a way to change their mind, to, to take Aiden Hill, 25-year-old budding, you know, NHL starter, essentially, instead of Darcy Kemper. And then you have Melnichuk as well who did very well in the KHL, but has yet really given been given the opportunity to prove himself at the NHL level thus far. Um, so I think it's it's interesting moving forward to see if if they stick with these two or if they go out and get a, a you know just a veteran addition, which is kind of what I'm pulling for in the short term. The long term, I feel like Aiden Hill and, and Melnichuk could be a solution so long as they can actually fulfill you know their their projected models. Um, but you know, going out and adding that that veteran, maybe like a David Riddick or uh, hell, even a, an Auntie Ranta. Really, yeah, he's got injury problems, but when he's on, he's on. So, um, and, and of course, mentoring Aiden Hill over there because they came from, they would have come from the exact same organization. But yeah, goaltending is an enigma, and we can't expect to explain it here on this podcast. And only time will tell if Aiden Hill or Alexei Melnichuk will actually be able to produce at the level in which the Sharks fans want them to. Um, before we let you go, you've been you've been absolutely this, this has been amazing. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we have one question we ask everybody. Okay. Are there any bold predictions or hot takes that you may have about this upcoming? entry draft does does buffalo trade back and cause mayhem does detroit actually pick wallstead does columbus find a way to have a very weird first round pick again what do you think is going to happen byron i'm I, I feel like maybe jack eichel will get traded on the draft floor or maybe Ooh. just before it kind of happens you know um i could see that happening because it sounds like he's kind of fed up and 
and and the dice are kind of lining up there sounds like something might be getting close so so who knows there um and then yeah trading trading out of first overall yeah i could i could certainly see that happening as well with with buffalo like you know they don't want the pressure of taking that that little consensus first overall pick and they they trade back two or three spots and, and get Eklund instead. I could see that happening too. I like the Jack Eichel prediction. We're going to roll with that one as the bold prediction because, you know, many think that it's just going to happen sometime later. But, you know, we've got Minnesota. We've got a couple of different options. And I've been following your tweets about the Jack Eichel trade rumors very closely. And I, I do like the Minnesota as the destination. It makes too much sense. And I, I would really love to see that. You know, we have a we have a podcast, the Soda Pod, on here. That's it's great content for them, and they would love to see that happen. You know, finally get a true star centerman, which I don't believe Minnesota's ever really had. Uh, you know, discounting a couple of players here and there, but they've never had that true superstar centerman. And, and why not go out there and you know roll the dice, maybe trade a Boldy or a Rossi to find a way to get Jack Eichel. So. I love it. I love that for the prediction. I'm going to go ahead and make a prop bet on that right now. So don't there you mind. Go. <laughs> Thank you, honestly, so much, Byron. This has been a, a just a blast to be able to talk about the entry draft, especially being so close to it because all this is going to be fresh in everyone's head. And then when you hit the nail on the head, the subscribers are going to be flooded into your website at hockeyprospecting.com. I can't wait. Um, it, again, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to leave the floor open to you now to pump whatever content you may have coming down the pipe, tell all the folks, you know, where to find you, where to find your work and what you got lined up for us. Yeah. So the, the website is hockeyprospecting.com, And, uh, so it's a subscription based website. So it's, it's $25 for the year. And then you get access to all the various tools, the, the player comparison tools, you know, for both the skaters and the goalies, the, the team strengths. And then you can also look back, over the past 30 years and see, you know, which teams have had the most success drafting, you know, so it's fun to, to talk about, you know, which teams are the best at drafting. Well, you know, there's a tool where you can actually, you know, you can zone in on a specific period of time and see, you know, who was, who had the highest success rates during that period and who drafted the most stars and all that type of stuff. So that's all on the website. And then my Twitter handle is Byron M. Bader. And I, I post little facts about about draftees and players and stuff and how they look in the model and who's who's trending where and you know who's trending up and who's trending down. So that's where you can find me. I'm always I'm always yapping on there. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be live tweeting through throughout the whole draft here and and talking about the draftees and kind of putting it in context of of the model and and different and different uh, stats and facts that I kind of find out about the players as, as we're going. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And if you have any questions and please reach out. And just to verify that was $25 a year. Yes, sir. Holy moly. That's just over $2 a month for just amazing content and amazing tools for anyone looking into checking out the advanced analytics of hockeyprospecting.com. Thank you again, Byron. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope the sharks hit on their draft pick at seventh overall. Me too. And the flames as well.